You know, I love, I was thinking, Gary, what I love about this moment. So last Sunday, I think it's the last Sunday I get to be here this year. And, um, you know, two years ago when we, is it two years ago? Yeah, two years ago when we started now, right at the beginning of COVID. Can you believe it? Um, two years on, on my last Sunday, not only is the whole place renovated, not only are the flats gone and dealt with, um, one of the very first things we could, we committed to two things right at that start of that journey. That was to transform Sunday services. That was like our first priority because we knew we could do that. And one was to deliver on what we, what had long been promised to your church, which was an eldership. And so to be here today, two years on, with all that change, in the middle of COVID, by the way, um, and then praying in new elders, uh, and, and really a board shifting to elders in your case, um, yeah, for me personally, I'm like, that's that's good. That's that's a healthy church. That's a church that God is doing things amongst. So why don't we come, come in, mate, and we're going to pray. And mighty God. Heavenly Father, why don't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we do what your word says. We lay hands, not suddenly on anybody, Lord, to anoint them for office. But Lord, today we acknowledge that eldership is your idea. It's your inspiration to... Uh, the apostles and Lord we continue to be Lord just the next extension of that in your local church right across the ages and across the globe and so we we just acknowledge Henry and Susan and Dan today Lord we we appoint them on a human level but we ask for you to appoint them and anoint them as only you can and so we ask for that right now in Jesus name and Lord I pray that they Lord would be found with um, just a spirit of wisdom Lord, a heart for you and your people, that it would just never become about them. And that's why we're here. We know it's not, but it never would. Keep their heart, Lord, um, and help them. And, and I just pray that from their lips would come the kind of wisdom that you always intended eldership to bring, the kind of collaborative voice that you have intended for your church, the kind of pastoral care, Lord, and heart that, Lord, you deeply desire for your people. And so we commit them to you now. We pray your anointing upon them as we appoint them. Lord, in Jesus' mighty name, we pray this. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Well, God bless you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Daz. So you can actually, oh, do you want to grab your stuff and join me, Daz, on stage? Um, Daz, we just wanted to honour you and Bron just for this whole year of leadership and, you know, being with us and being here and visiting. We're just so grateful. And as a church, we've just put together a whole bunch of... I know Bron loves words, and so this is all the words from all the people here. And um, I hope you just love reading them. And just so that you guys... You guys are wordsmiths, by the way. Whoa, there's some people here that need to write books. It's amazing. I'm going to read one of these little comments for Bron and Daz, and it says, I'm very grateful for your presence in our church as our senior pastors. Progressive, but not compromising. Cheerful, but not silly. Thought-provoking, but not rude. Intellectual, but not strangled by sophistry. Strategic, but not scheming. Living examples of faith and love. You are open to everybody and you are transparent. May the Lord preserve you in this way until the end of your time on earth. So we just want to say thank you to you and Bron, Daz, and we're so grateful that you're here and what a privilege that our... Our journeys, we, we got to cross paths and we praise God for that. I, uh, I can tell you that from our perspective, that's about as good as a gift gets. We have some people wrote us a card maybe 10 years ago. We still keep it. We still read it. 
And, and, and when you do what we do, and we all do things that have challenging times, um, but when you do what we do and you have challenging times, I can tell you they're the things you read apart from Scripture. And you, they stir your heart, so thank you. And uh, I, I do, I know it's not a thank fest today, but I do just in case time gets away from me, do want to thank um, Kerry in particular. Lots of people work hard in local churches, we get that. But there's always someone that the, 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 the buck stops with, and you only know the pressure of that if it stops with you. And so, Kerry, we thank you. you we, um, we had our staff meeting together from uh, across our churches, and, and uh, one of the things that we would say is that somehow Kerry embodies better who we are in a short period of time um, as a church, um, maybe than, than any of our pastors, and we've acknowledged that in front of them so that they've got work to do, um, but not really. <laughs> But she, she loves the people, she loves the community that you live in. I love that that gift is beautifully packaged and honours people. And there are little things like that that Kerry just loves and gets. But also so much has gone on here and I realise many hands have made the work possible. Great financial generosity has made the work possible. And uh, you're doing well. I think I honestly think um, the next period right in front of us will be fruitful. Uh, 2022, as the world opens up, uh, a lot of churches are going to be in real build, rebuild, but I think, I think Armadale is going to be fruitful. And if we just get some simple things right, God will turn up doing what he does. See people come to faith, see people make decisions for Christ. And uh, I can't talk about it too much, but I would encourage you to keep your diary free, February uh, 4 and 5 uh, in the new year. Uh, we've got something good coming, and we'll talk about that more as we get closer. All right, I've just got to put my key down. It's going to bug me. So last week, if you were here, we, you linked in and we, we started to talk about how to live unoffendable. And, and even if you know it, like me, you're still at risk of it, like me, uh, to live offended. And so we're going to talk about it today. Some of this will be new to you. Some of this will be familiar to some of you. But all of us are continually facing it. And, and, and to, to get offended is so easy in life, isn't it? Big things happen to us. Little things happen to us, um, but how to live unoffendable, especially in a culture like ours and a time like this. Um, if you think about our culture, it, it, to be honest with you, it does my head in a bit. And um, If you think about our culture and if you think about social media, it's almost a thing to be offended with someone or something right now. And, you know, you get offended and you go online, for sure someone's going to come and partner with you in your offence. Someone's going to align with you in in our offendedness, they're going to champion that. And really all they're doing is being unhelpful um, because no one is better. No one wins by offence. Um, in, in my life, not in me, not in anyone, I can't think of one person, one time, not ever, who got offended and was better for it. Not, not one single time. And I don't expect that you'll be the first or I'll be the first. And so we, we want to live unoffended. A lot's gone on this year, hasn't it? I feel like 2020, 2020, we kind of signed up. We realised there was a global pandemic and we got on board largely with it. And the 2021, we kind of thought we're out of the woods and then, well, 2021 happened. And there's a little bit more fatigue and all the kind of, you know, language that commentaries, uh, commentators use around it. And 2021 was a challenging year and it was, it was heightened by things like vaccination and, and the polarising opinions and the unhelpful place of the media. Um, and all that goes on in that space. And even down to family dynamics and lockdowns and all that, it was, a, it was a year full of complication. 
And so, and then Christmas is coming. And I don't know what your family's like. Um, my family, for the longest time, I used to wonder what everyone was talking about when families get together at Christmas and it's difficult. I just thought that was the exception to the rule. But if life goes on long enough, you realise that sometimes family is complicated. I recognise that too these days. Um, and, and as Christmas comes, some of us are going to be navigating relational complexity. I, I mentioned that last week. And, and what I'd love is for, especially those of us who are in churches, that we would, we would navigate that well, like be the unoffendable people in the spheres and communities and families in which we move. If you're a follower of Jesus, we definitely should be the people who move through life in an unoffendable way and getting over the offense that comes our way. And then, and really why I wanted to bring this message is because we're fast approaching the wrap-up of the year. And I'd love for us to start 2021 in a place where we truly have a, a, a clean slate as it relates to offense. Like nothing on the slate, nothing at all on the offence slate, whether it's big and and I don't want to diminish the big things that have happened to people, or it's little, like someone forgot to text us. But whatever it is that we'd end the year and start the new year in a place that's got a clean slate as it relates to offence. The the biggest thing that, uh, I was only thinking this on the way up, the biggest thing that ever happened to me um, happened twice in my life. Uh, happened once when I was seven and happened once when I was 17. And the two images of those moments in time are forever etched, at least as long as my mind's sound, all of my life. I'd imagine as long as my mind stays healthy into old age that those two memories will be etched even in my final days, maybe my final hours. They're, they're big moments, moments where offence could have taken over and dictated my life. I raise that today because, you know, just this last week, at the age of 50, the person who committed those two offences acted in a way completely consistent with the behaviour at that time. Imagine I'd carried that offence at 7 to 17 or 17 in some degree till now and then the hiccup in the last week at 50. And I could be living to 80 with an offence niggling away at me in the background just taking away and stealing away from my life. So how do we do it? How do we live unoffendable? You know, offended people are upset, hurt, wounded, and worse. And unoffended people find a way they choose to, first of all, not to live offended, wish it was as simple as just a choice, in a way that ultimately leads to living light and living free. So with that all in mind today, how to live unoffendable. A 60-second recap of last week. Unoffendable people, number one, sign off on a zero-tolerance policy to offence. They just go, that's it, I'm not living offended. That's my attitude, things come my way, that's for sure things come my way. I've been offended, I'm at risk of offence today, I will be at risk of offence next week, the week after, sometime very soon, um, and so will you. And, but we just predetermined to live in an unoffendable way. Um, the Apostle Paul wrote, uh, these words I'm about to read, the, the, the context is different, but the principle is powerful. He says, I will strive to live with a clear conscience without offence towards God and people. I love that. I, I'm just going to live unoffensive, or not, not, not offensive, but also not taking offence towards God and people. Have you ever been offended at God? Someone died around you. Someone gotten sick. I've been praying all week for a baby that was born to a couple who were already having struggles and the, the baby's been flown to Newcastle and on the edge of life and, and I'm like, God, what are they going to do if this, 
if this goes south and we're all been praying and the baby has come good. But the reality is we all know babies that have passed away in the similar circumstance. And I was nervous that they might take offence at God given the troubles that they've had. Well, praise God he's come through, but we're all at risk of taking offence at God and at people. And we talked about that. Number two was offendable, unoffendable people live soft heart, thick skinned, can't lose. Does anybody in the room know where I stole that phrase from? Just raise your hand and adapted it. Good, you don't know the TV show. (laughs) Different words, same rhythm. Soft heart, thick skinned, can't lose. Um, And I headlined that last week. So here's where we're going to pick up. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. I'm assuming, yep, there it is coming on the screen. Um, Oh, they even coloured it in. Thank you. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Uh, Let me read that again. I want you to take that in. Follow along word by word. Always, always, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Listen to these next words. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together um, with peace. Soft heart. First thought here today, soft heart is a humble, is a humble heart. It's a, it's a heart that lives humbly. If we're going to get over what's happened and move past the fence, at some point it's going to take humility of spirit. Speaking of Jesus in Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. I mean, really, if we just take that verse, that line of that verse right there, we'll start to get past offence. In humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each other, each of you to the interests of the others. Listen to this next line. In your relationship with one another. In your relationship with one another. Speaking to the church, the community of faith, people who live in proximity to each other as they live out their faith for, before Jesus. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. In your relationship with one another, have the mindset, the same mindset of Jesus. Make it less about you, is what it's saying here. Make it more about others. Resist leveraging um, our status, our position, our equality, whatever, to our own advantage. Don't insist on fairness. Don't insist on my right. Think like a servant towards people, and I put here, not like a victim and not like we're better. Just think in this way. Humility gives up and dies to so much that hurts and liberates us in the, in the process. Um, soft heart lives humbly. So, so thinking about uh, this just for a moment, when, when, where you're at risk of offence, is there someone that you are at risk of getting offended by or you actually already are offended by, if you're honest, in this moment? And, and what would living humbly change about that? Treating others better than ourselves, laying down my rights, not insisting on fairness. See, humility loves grace more than judgment, doesn't it? It loves mercy more than fairness. It, 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 it values forgiveness more than judgment and justice. How about you? When, when I'm offended, I want something. I want something back. I want something 
acknowledge. Something's happened to me that I'm not happy about. How is it for you? Soft hearts live humbly. And it's not easy. It's not easy to live humbly when someone's done the wrong thing. I'm not sure if I used it online or, or um, in the room. I remember when I thought there were these three guys and we were like three. We were like the band of three brothers. And then I was somewhere on this day with one of their wives and I realized that it wasn't a three. It was a two. And the two wasn't me. It was them. These were guys that I'd grown up with and, and done ministry life with as a young guy. Like we'd all come through together. And it, it hit me that it was actually, it was them and then me. And, and it hurt. You ever been there like that? It hurt deeply. And I remember for a little while, I just, I created distance. I had resistance. I, when the phone rang, you know, I let it go to message bank in the days when I could afford to pick it up straight away, always. And, and I let it go to message bank and get back to them later. And I just was hurt and I took offense. And, and, and what it needed was for me to humbly go, hey, don't make this about you, Darren. Don't, don't, don't do that. Do what Jesus would do. And you've got to humbly come to it. So, you know, where you're at risk today, where is that? How can you move forward in it? That's number one. Uh, listen to the verses again as we move to the next thought. Always be humble and gentle. Then it says, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Soft heart lives humble, thick-skinned, is patient with people. Uh, in the original language here, patient here, is, it's actually expressing something that's not immediately obvious in the, in the English. It, it's, it's talking about earnestness of thought. It's talking about when you read the commentaries, it's talking about exertion to secure a thing not easily or not lightly obtained. It's saying, hey, for you to live in a way that is patient with people, this is going to take some exertion of mind and some effort. And, and don't you, we get that, don't we? We actually, we absolutely get that. We get that, that this is going to take something from me, that getting over my potential offence towards you is going to take something from me. In fact, if you're here today and for any reason I've caused offence to you, which isn't deliberate, but I still could have caused it, if I have, even hearing these words, you could be struggling in your heart towards me. It takes exertion and it takes energy sometimes, many times, to get past you know, that, and, and, and it says, hey, we've got to be patient with each other. And so I, I surveyed some people and sent out a text this weekend to two different groups of people and asked two different questions. And the first one was, what's the hardest offence for you to get over? Like good people, mature people. And they, the, the, the number one answer was this. When, when we've already been offended multiple times and then find ourselves needing to repeat that process of unoffendability yet again. Isn't that true? You like that too? Right? And, and it's hard. And I acknowledge that it's hard. And I acknowledge that we feel it. And I acknowledge that it causes all sorts of emotions to rise up in us. And yet the best thing we can do is to live soft heart, thick skinned, um, in terms of being patient with, with people. Has told you a journey that's been going on for 43 years. And to be honest, the person who did it's old now. Like it's very unlikely that I'm going to get a different outcome this side of eternity. But what do you do? You turn around and you love and you need to be for them and you need to get past your own offense and not make it about me and be patient with each other. Be patient with each other. And it's talking inside the church. And I suppose if I can just 
make a point, how much more outside the church? I definitely have met um, Christians who will get offended by an insider and then talk about it to everybody on the outside. And I'm like, are you crazy? Why would you do that? Why would me being offended talk to someone outside of Jesus who knows I'm a Christian and, and you know, put toxicity, I don't know the right word, into their spirit as it relates to God and church and his people, that's crazy. That's, that's definitely become all about me in a way that's detrimental to their life and their eternity. And so I'm going, hey, let's, let's live this well in with, amongst each other and, of course, beyond the walls of the local church. And who's testing your patience? Because proximity does it, doesn't it? My wife, Brumwin Hillary Bunnell, is a wonderful woman. She really is. But... I have more opportunity to be offended at Bron than anybody else on the planet. Hello. Why is that? As good as she is, we live close to each other. And so the, the risk of offence immediately rises, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, and so the reality is people say, oh, the church and, you know, they, they did the wrong thing. Maybe it's just that we had proximity to each other. Like any family. When I was a kid, I used to turn up to Christmas Day, uh, very Australian, you know, hot food on a 38-degree day, and uh, with about 50 people in the house, all my cousins, all my aunties and uncles, in a three-bedroom suburban home um, uh, in the days pre-roof aircon, so, you know, on the wall. So everyone's sweltering, and we'd be there, and I'd walk in, and I just thought we were the happiest family on the face of the planet. Like, this is heaven on earth. What I didn't realise, because I was 10 and I'd take my bat out and get out in the backyard, get ready to bat, and my grown adult uncles would be sledging me, like, think about that, 10-year-old boy, watch out, son, you're going first, Paul. Like, something wrong with that, isn't there, unless you're Australian, where your grown adult uncles can sledge a 10-year-old boy. I'm still offended at that. I'm still getting over it. It's difficult. But my aunties and my nan and that, old school, right, days pre-equality, they're all in the kitchen. They're all in the kitchen. And I realise now as an adult, there are all kinds of dynamics going on. So here I am having a blissful Christmas day. Unoffended, happy, food, presents, cricket. It doesn't get any better for me than that. And here are my relatives struggling with the dynamics of the room, wishing they were anywhere but there. And living unoffendable doesn't cure everything but it certainly changes the dynamic. So be patient with each other. And then it, it says this, and this is the bit I love and hate. It says, be patient with each other, making allowance, making room for each other's faults. I want you to think about that just in terms of your family and in terms of our church. Make room for each other's faults. And, and I know that if you've been around a while, you get that, you understand that. But in terms of practically, the, 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 the practical side of that. So here's the other thing I did this week. I surveyed, I sent out some people who love me a text. I said, can you send me a list of my faults, please? <laughs> it was a serious text. I knew I said, it's going to help me, it's going to help people, I hope. So can you send a list of my faults? Every one of them, because they love me, this is who you send that text to, right, just by the way, apologised at the front end. They're like, Daz, you know, we love you. I'm like, yeah, okay, great, tell me what my faults are. I think the list is, we've got it there on the screen here. 
This is what they say about me. I can stress too much and don't relax well. I didn't know that was a fault, by the way. Um, Only joking. I recognise it as a fault. I recognise it. Try as I do, I'm a little unorganised at times. I mean, we staff all highly organised people all around me because of how unorganised I naturally am. I work really hard to be organised. I spend a lot of time to be organised. But I'm naturally not. And it's true. And sometimes my unorganised ways, try as I might, hurt people. My positivity removes room for vulnerability. I laugh because I think that's a win. But I understand that that's a problem I do. Um, I do, and I've been working on it. I can overreact to what's going on around me. If a child falls, I'll make more noise and make it worse for the child than it really is. My whole life, Brunner said, Darren, the child is okay. Just if you be quiet, the child will move on. And uh, instead, we run the child to hospital. So like, I can overreact. I have a terrible memory. I actually would, honestly, and not false humility, I would have the, I think, the worst memory of any person I've ever met. Like, ever. I've forgotten everyone and everything. Bron asked me just the other day, we were in Sydney, I was working, and she'd been doing all this stuff for me. And I had to go back to the hotel room and grab one thing, and she said, can you bring my other dress? I went, on it. One thing she asked me the whole day, and I, I forgot the dress. And so when I get back downstairs, about to help everyone else all day, Bron says, did you bring the dress? And I went, oh, I didn't. I forgot the dress. Like the one thing I had to remember. That's my memory. I have multiple, I have notifications going off all day. I have alarms set all day. My phone constantly rings at me. Um, I have a terrible memory. And this was the one that busted me even in the moment because this came from terms of my uh, friends. Uh, this woman's probably like, she's, she'd be my favourite. She's like my sister. And she said, Daz, you take too much on which can look like I don't care. What that really means is, Daz, at some point you've taken too much on that looks to me like you don't care. And even if I didn't care about somebody, I can tell you I care deeply about my friend. But at some point, she's experienced from me busyness that tells her or whispers to her that I don't care. And that just broke my heart. I'm like, I don't want to do that. And I know I'm that person. One of the things I wrote down when I turned 50 was to go, I've got to be a better friend in this decade. I'm too busy to be a good friend. And when I read that from her, but you know what? It's better to hear my fault so that I can do something about it. And, and here's what the Bible says to you. You ready? Be patient with Darren. Make room for his faults. Be patient with Darren. Now, and I'm not, being, I'm not trying to be tricky here, right? I've got to do the same to you. But, but let's take the bottom one. I don't even live here and I know that some of you are affected by that. That my response to you has been slower than you think is one that cares. Right? I know that. I don't know who and I don't know what, but I know it's true. Because I know that sometimes I'm working till very late at night and then starting early the next morning and finishing late the next night and suddenly it's two days later before I think, oh gosh, who have I missed? So I know that you have to deal with that last thought. And it's not because I don't care. It's because I have a fault that I'm, I do too many things. 
And the Bible says to you, be patient with Darren. Make room for his fault. And the Bible says to me, be patient with Andy and make room for his fault. And we know that Andy's got lots of faults, right? Like lots and lots of faults. Like, no, I picked Andy because he's pretty good, actually, and it's not my fault he sat right there. That'll keep everyone out of the front row for the rest of the you know, time. That's why nobody sits in the front row. It's not that they don't like it. It's that preachers speak to it. So, but this is the reality. When you walk into Christmas Day this year and there's someone there that's difficult to live with, the Bible and the Holy Spirit whisper to you and to me and go, be patient with people. Make room for their fault. Why? Because of the next thought it says, because of love. And, and I think with um, the age in which we live, my brother's in town, one of my brothers, and he was having a huge debate with me the other day about the kind of subjects that everybody debates with a Christian pastor about. And, and um, in the end, I said to him, I said, well, mate, if your version of love is that small, that we can't walk together if we disagree, of course we've got a problem. But I feel like you've been fed a lie in terms of how big love is. If love is no longer love the moment we disagree, we're all gone. I don't agree with anyone. My wife doesn't even agree with my theology because we're human, right? We, there's no two people in here that have identical theology. And the only way that you and I will have identical theology is that we just, someone gives up on some of the doubts, thoughts and thinking they have because we're human and the Bible says that's okay. We currently look through a dim mirror and one day we'll see perfectly. And when it wrote dim mirror, it was a dim mirror, not like your dim mirror and mine where the light's down. It's like the dim mirror of an ancient time when you hard to work out your reflection in the mirror. And it says that's how we all see on our best day. And so we, we disagree, but big love is able to disagree and still walk together. That's why I still love Englishmen. The ashes is on. The season is here. Second most powerful man in the country or person, happens to be a man in this case, they say, is the Australian cricket captain? I tend to agree. But right now, Englishmen, English people, I could be easily offended at them cheering against Australia's great cricket team. But I'm bigger than that, much bigger. I live with big love. And it's getting worse because not only do we have the English, but we have the Indians. And the Indians are better at us than cricket. That's problematic. At least with the English, we win. It's like, I can have big love. We're better than you guys. But the Indians are better at cricket. They've got 1.3 billion cricketers coming through. Like, it's problematic. And you and I could be offended at every turn and every corner and every sitting and every gathering. Before you leave here today, if you stay here long enough and have a conversation deep enough, you could be offended at somebody for something and it could get on the inside of your spirit. And so the Bible comes along and says, always be humble, be patient with each other, make allowance for each other's faults. I love that thought when I'm on this side of it. Soft heart, thick-skinned. I just want to make a side note and then a final thought. So here's my side note. I, I, I do recognise that within the context of everything I'm saying, there are times when people do need to put boundaries in place. Yeah. I'm not saying don't have boundaries. And I'm not saying that there aren't situations that we should remove ourselves from. 
and uh, my my personal just you'll just indulge me if anyone was in a you know a, a, a violent situation or anything like that like, you should just leave and then sort it out later and you need to know if you do leave we will absolutely help you with everything if that's you right just so you know um, and we've done that many times so I'm not talking about that I'm saying that the, the, there are times when we have to create boundaries. You know, I just told you about the story that's happened to me at 50, 17, 7 and a few times in between. There are things that I just don't let happen in that relationship anymore. There are certain boundaries. But what can't, there can't be as barriers in my heart. So I want to have boundaries that are healthy but barrierless in my heart. That's the key. And, and that's a hard tension to manage. It's a nice little sentence that is very hard to live. But that's what, we, that's what God calls us to. Actually, it's what he helps us with. He helps us with the ability to create boundaries uh, in life where we need to but to live barrierless in our heart, unoffended in our heart. And so that's my little side note before I come to this final thought. The unoffendable work for positive, positive change. And it says here in the verses we read, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. So finally it says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit binding yourselves together with peace. And my final thought is simply that the unoffendable work for positive change. Here's, here's what I would love if you're struggling with offence. Here's what I'd love you to do, a really practical way to um, move this forward. See, this is not only being patient with, and this is not only overlooking offence, this is now giving a positive agenda to how they move forward. And so what, here's what I would leave you with. If you are at risk of offence with someone, or if you have a fence going on, and, and that takes real humility to own because we can reason it, justify it. But if you see resistance towards a person, if your heart's a bit hard, if you speak slightly negative about them, you can be pretty confident you're at risk of offence. If you distance or isolate from someone that you didn't used to distance or isolate, there's a pretty big chance that we're at some level um, uh, at risk of offence. If, if we've got that, here's what I would say. Create a positive, create a, create, create a positive conversation around them so work out next time their name comes up or comes into your mind what is the tone of my conversation going to be so as I wrap my wife and my wife my wife and her husband I was about to say it's all positive no it's not okay I don't even want to I did not send the text about faults to my wife just for the record they 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 my mum, when I was about 10 years old, we were living in a um, housing estate in one of the worst suburbs of Sydney and one of the most dangerous seats of Sydney. Later on, it had um, a full-on riot breakout that made national headlines in that street. The first house we lived in in that street burnt to the ground. My mum had a boy two, a boy five or six, and a boy seven, me. She was so broke that my brother, being what fourth year, whatever I was, seven, a little bit older actually, Sorry, I got those days slightly wrong. My, my mum was so broke that my brother and I, little kids, fortunately we lived on a hill. We would roll, we would push her car every morning to get it started because she couldn't afford to fix it. And it wasn't because she was lazy or spent money on things that she shouldn't. That was her life. And in the middle of it, she sat us down and said to me, I want you to know that I've spoken negatively about your dad. And I want you to know it'll never happen again. From this day forward, I want you boys to know that I will only speak 
positively about your father in your best interests. And from the age of about 10 it was, year four, whatever that is, my mother never spoke a negative word about my father ever again to me. Let me tell you, my mum had plenty of cause to take offence. My mum had plenty of cause. My dad had negatively impacted her life that would ripple for the rest of her days. She's gone to heaven now. But she just never let it get on the inside of her from that day on. She started with a decision. I'm sure she had to come to it many more times. And it changed her life. The time my brother got married, she walked into the wedding. She hugged my dad told him that she loved him and that Jesus did too. And that became the message of her life. So what about you? What about me? Where I'm at risk of offence, where I am, if I own it, offended. What, what, what is the conversation that you have determined that you're going to carry forward from this moment? I'll leave you with that thought. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for everybody. Lord, here today. Lord, what we, what we want is what you want. Lord, people that live liberated and overcoming offence. People that are able to walk in the room by the power of your spirit and to be the unoffendable, where everything should be to the contrary. Help us, God. Lord, for those who are dealing with big, big things, help them work a miracle they don't even see coming. Help their faith to rise. Help their hearts to heal. And Lord, may it be a quick work that they sign up to, not a slow work. And Lord, for the little things that get on the fringe of our lives, I pray for them too, for all of us. Help us to be eyes wide open, Lord, hearts open. Um, Seeing what you're revealing, Lord, and receiving what you're speaking, I pray. Lord, in Jesus' mighty name, may this be a Christmas, Lord. Uh, Without offence, may we step into the new year with a clean slate, truly clean, as we move forward, Lord, with what you've got for your people. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. All right.